welcome to another edition of Leadership Lynchburg's Around the Table podcast. Uh, as If you've been listening, you know that the month of February, we've been featuring guests as part of Black History Month, and uh, I'm so excited we're rounding out our series might I say best for last? I don't know. I kind of want to say that. Um, I've always wanted to interview this person and I'm going to introduce him in just a minute. Um, but let me give you the foundation again in case this is the first time you're hearing of Leadership Lynchburg's Around the Table podcast. Leadership Lynchburg believes that creating opportunities for healthy conversation builds awareness, trust, and ultimately relationship. Relationships can create productive action and relationships enable you to go there on difficult topics trusting that the benefit is greater awareness and mutual understanding. And ultimately, relationships are what create community. We aim to inspire underrepresented leaders and educate allies and potential allies so they can create tangible actions within their spheres of influence. So as I said, it's February, Black History Month, and we are featuring some great local friends who can speak to their work for the Black community and uh, all under the theme of tell me what I need to know. And I am excited to have with us today John Hughes with the City of Lynchburg. And he's been involved in equity work for a while. And I'm going to let him kind of tell his background. And we can maybe we can go way back, John, on um, the dialogue on race and racism. But how to talk a little bit about your role with the city, how you got involved in doing what you're doing, and maybe how it's evolved, because it has evolved since you've been with the city. Sure. Good afternoon, Christine. I really appreciate the opportunity to participate in this initiative. And currently, I serve as Lynchburg's assistant city manager. So on a daily basis, I'm intertwined with my colleagues and other stakeholders actively striving to really make our city a great place for residents and visitors from participating with uh, you know, city boards and commissions and fielding citizen complaints to managing grants, collaborating with department heads on projects and considering the various priorities of city council, we have a wonderful array of opportunities to serve our city. I also supervise the Department of Human Services as well as the library. So I came here as kind of a, I guess, non-traditional way to get to city management. Uh, over About 20, a little over 20 years ago now, I started out with the city actually um, working at the juvenile detention home for a few years, about two and a half years. And then I moved to Charlottesville and did some work there and moved back here in 2004 uh, and uh, took a position with uh, foster care and adoption as a foster care social worker. I did that for a few years. And then I went to what's called now the Children's Services Act coordinator. I uh, did that for about 10 years and then came here to city management. So even, even, even the role, as you said, uh, as city, as assistant city manager has been a, a little, has had a few changes to it. Initially, I was brought on to help the city's poverty initiative as well as work on special projects. And that has evolved into a little more responsibility, some delegation as a, a person who's really helping with the overall management of the city in a, in a true uh, assistant city manager perspective. I mean, I don't know what you do in your spare time. I don't know that you have any spare time given all of what you do. Um, I, you know, we're gonna talk about allies in, in a few minutes, but um, I just feel like I have to ask because you, um, you had to have had allies in your career 
um, to, to be where you are today. So is there an example of someone that was an ally to you and that really mentored you and helped you get to where you are today? Well, I think generally, as when we work with the city and, you know, we have these individual experiences just like in life, but I've noticed um, perhaps in retrospect with each position that I've held with the city, there's been an interest uh, for me as well as my colleagues at any particular time to make a difference in a specific area. When I was working in foster care, I'll use that example. There was, there was discussion among my colleagues about uh, the Children's Services Act or CSA realm and you kind of, what are they doing up there? And so when the position came open, I applied for it and said, well, let me see if I can implement some changes or just at least be more aware of what it, what it takes to, to do, this, do this job. Same thing with the, uh, I've had a desire to work for our uh, citizens and residents in a, in a higher capacity. And so, you know, uh, even though human services was also downtown, which is where my office was located previously, some of the discussion is what's going on up there in City Hall? You know, what's, what are they doing in City Hall? So again, the opportunity arose to um, take that position and, and I was successful in doing so. But along the way, I've had nothing but support from my colleagues to venture out, to do something different, to, to be welcomed aboard and, and, and given uh, rain to, to make some changes and do things differently or make the, sh make the ship move in a in a, in a correct direction. And so I would say that, you know, ultimately there, there are those allies, but it comes from really, a lot of people will tell you that I talk too much. You know, my, my family will say, and I think I get it from some people in my family that I've sometimes never made, met a stranger or I'll go to the grocery store and instead of just going in and out, I'll be in there for 30 or 45 minutes just walking around because I see people I know. Um, I, I am from Lynchburg, so we kind of call this uh, always call it a small town. We realize that there's 80,000 people here, right? So it's not necessarily a small town, but it does have that small town feel, which is which is a great uh, attraction for people. And it's one reason why I love to serve in, in the city that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I bet your family loves when they say, they probably don't send you to the grocery store anymore, knowing that you won't come home anytime <laughs> right, soon. Right. So. Or, or they just make allowances and they understand. That's right. Like, right. That's right. Well, yeah, so you really, um, you know, I heard a couple things you said. First of all, um, you, you had many people along the way that encouraged you and helped you and, and um, were happy for, to, to help you move on and move up. Um, but then I also heard you were, um, you put yourself out there and took chances and just asked the right questions. Well, why not me? And you know, what difference could I make in those kind of situations? And I think both that's a winning combination, right? Like you have to be brave enough to put yourself out there, but you also have to have people that know you, right? Because you've put yourself out there that are willing to support you along the way. Yeah, many times there was there was the conversation of because there there can be that self-doubt as to whether it really matters if you're there or not, or or if you can even uh, make that change. But and that's natural, you know, so I, I will definitely say it's not, it wasn't all me by any stretch of the imagination. Um, most of the time it was brought to me. Why don't you try out or, or why don't you take this chance? And I said, yeah, I was thinking about it. And sometimes you need to have that extra conversation so that you can be reassured and help to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so let's talk about the city. Um, I know uh, back when um, you, the city launched the dialogue on race and racism, we, Leadership Lynchburg was, um, gosh, we, we had not stuck our toe in um, really doing a, a massive push for community engagement until that time. And that initiative came up and we were like, man, we need as many of our alumni to get trained and be a part of that. So, uh, and we had, I mean, I still look at some of the friends I made during that, that whole process and how much we learned uh, and I learned personally, but let's talk about that. So, so we, we had the dialogue on race and racism, which was more than just a dialogue, right? That led into a lot of the work that cities, the city's doing now, and then couple that with some of the poverty initiatives. Can you talk about what, what you see as some of the highlights and successes of the work um, for equity and inclusion in the city? So you, you did a hit on that, Christine, about study circles back in 2007, 2008, um, and the dialogue that was brought about um, because of, not ironically, but um, the death of a black man while in custody of uh, Lynchburg Police Department. And so that rose, uh, wrote, make, make, created some tension within the, within the city and, um, it chose to address it through the dialogue. Uh, from that, and I'm sure some other organizations may have done something similar, but city employees were engaged to the engaged to the point where they said, you know, we, we have some things we'd like to say amongst the internal city group. Wow. And so there were um, there was a dialogue on race and racism that was that involved city employees. From that was born a group of uh, city employees named Action for Change or A4C. Not sure if you've heard that acronym before, A4C, but Action for Change is a group of volunteers that spawned out of the dialogue on race and racism. So it's been in existence for over a decade. Things like the International Day that you may have taken a part in, that's something that's a direct result of A4C's work, uh, just for instance. And this group continues to be a champion of diverse opinion, cultural sensitivity, awareness, et cetera, with the goal of creating an accessible and welcoming environment for all employees. I will say that up until um, you know, early 2020, the group did things like the International Day. They sponsored or co-sponsored some trips to the African-American Heritage Museum. They held lunch and learns on various topics, but there probably wasn't a real even knowledge among some employees that the group existed, as well as less support from maybe administration on, on supporting that. Of course, with the uh, things that happened with the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, and the ensuing civil unrest that followed that, A4C was kind of thrown into the mix as a group that was already championing diversity, et cetera, uh, to do some things. And so, that that for better or for worse, but I think you know for, for good, yep. as far as the city is concerned, uh, spurred some involvement from city employees who wanted to also be a member of A4C, uh, spawned some new interest in A4C, and created some uh, a catalyst for some initiatives within the city uh, that were not just race related, although that is you know especially when we're talking about relations in America, you cannot lose. You cannot take out the element of race in that equation. 
think you're doing a disservice. Now, we, we do realize, of course, that diversity, equity, and inclusion runs the gamut and it's more than race. It's, it's a lot of things that are culturally aware, um, uh, LGBTQ, et cetera, and, and you know, veterans, disabled uh, citizens, et cetera, you know, this, all of that. But that they all that group did come out of the dialogue on race and racism. So that's the support of that group with, through administration, through uh, dialogue with council, city council last year for the current fiscal year decided that diversity, equity, and inclusion would be a priority during our budget discussions. One, so we're in the midst now of hiring a DEI strategist for the city. Uh, the city's also contracted with the Virginia Center for Inclusive Communities, or VCIC, to provide employee training on various subjects. We've already had uh, one uh, brief training on, on some, some aspects and, and doing a survey of, of uh, citizen, I mean, uh, community involvement with our colleagues. And an African-American Cultural Committee that was a group of not only employees, but uh, citizens provided council with a report a few weeks ago that summarized the group's work to provide education on the contributions of African-Americans in the city of Lynchburg. So those are some things that uh, have come out of more recent exposure to diversity, equity, and inclusion and uh, within the city. Wow. Um, that's exciting. I mean, you know, out of every crisis, right, there, there becomes opportunities. And it sounds like you all really took some not so positive things that have happened and, and really created opportunities for increased engagement and awareness. Um, what are you personally um, challenged with and um, excited about with regard to the work you do? So I'm excited about just the opportunity for change. Again, I think it's great to be able to serve in the community that I grew up in. And, and knowing people, seeing people, not only hearing uh, things that they have to say that may be supportive, but the problems that they're facing. And hopefully I can, if, if I don't know the answer, I can't help them directly, that I can point them in the right direction. Uh, some challenging things just on initiatives in general, uh, even, even if you look at an, an initiative like diversity, equity, and inclusion, is it something that is sincere, not just for the city, but in, you know, in, in a global respect, is it something that's sincere or is it kind of the cause du jour and it's cool to have these things? You know, we have classes uh, jumping up. We have people offering certificates from premier universities in things like diversity, equity, and inclusion. What does that mean? Is it, you know, those are the things that I grapple with about the intent of some of the, uh, some of the causes that we undertake. And you mentioned the the poverty reduction initiative before. And that's something that, you know, honestly is not a six month project. That's right. So poverty reduction is long-term. We, 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 the city talked about tackling intergenerational poverty. So you're talking about things that have affected generations of people, not only uh, physically and emotionally, but psychologically and changing that up in a way that is short-term is just unrealistic. So we have to be willing to stick in there, fight the fight and, and provide people with the tools to make a difference and be resilient. And, and, and that's not an easy task. So um, the successes, the potential to do something and be a part of something that is literally life-changing is, is uh, amazing for me. But again, you know,
there are those it's, it's the mountain to climb you know when you're looking up the mountain it's yeah. it just looks so so daunting so daunting but uh yeah. it's a worthy cause without a doubt well and and i appreciate that john i mean we've we've some of the other folks we've interviewed have talked about um you know this isn't a instant gratification uh this type of work is an instant gratification you can't do it for a certificate on the wall. It is about, you know, community, true community change and uh, addressing generational poverty. You might not see some of those outcomes in your lifetime, right? Like you hope you do, but, um, but it's hard work and you got to look for the small wins along the way. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked in the beginning about who some of your allies were and, and how you got to where you are. For those that are, um, not a minority, what do we need to know in order to be a supportive ally, in your opinion? Well, you know, I think one thing I mentioned, you know, I think I know that we look at the world on the, in the global perspective is what we do. And I completely understand statistically um, how we were put into these boxes. But one thing I, I just, Personally, I don't like the word, the, the connotation that minority brings. Uh, again, I understand, it, and I think this is relevant to our conversation because statistically we would look at majority and, and minority. Um, but I think when you, labels do matter. And uh, just think, thinking about the, how we put people into boxes. Yep. Even the word right. itself, the word the, the itself. itself. Yeah, just the word itself. Lens, lens, so makes, could make people think that they're less than just in general. So thinking about how we say what we say, expanding our social capital, expanding your social capital, getting to know others from a more diverse perspective, uh, be willing to learn, share, and have conversations with others on cultural matters. Speak up publicly when things aren't in order. That's a big deal. You know, say something. Use what you have to, to your advantage if you are not in a certain position. And that, you know, that transcends the boundaries of uh, these, these cultural norms or cultural things, situations that we put ourselves in or that we're, we're labeled in um, to learn something new. I, I personally, for, I'll give one example. I have a, a Bible, a Quran, and as well as a Torah at my house. And I just like to sometimes read the differences. I mean, and, and what you find I think uh, ultimately is the same for us as people that there are more, there are a lot of things that are very, very similar. Uh, although we try sometimes to, or, 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 or have to focus on so many differences. There's a lot of things that are just uh, the same, you know, fairness, equality, love, those things are universal, whether you're uh, thinking about organized religion, spirituality, just the, the do right type of thing. Um, and so take that time to really appreciate the differences in other people in, and the different opinions associated with that, even if you don't necessarily believe the same thing. Uh, coming to an understanding and getting to a logical perspective is, is a, a great tool in your own enlightenment. So good. Um, and I, I'm so glad I got a little correction myself and I learned a little something. I mean, I had just a simple question of tell, tell, tell those of us that are not a minority and even using that word, even though in the past that was um, a shared term that was accepted, 
like when you said that, I was like, well, of course that's not, that should not ever be said. That, that just feels wrong once you said that. And so what is the, how should we refer to, to um, others? Should we just not say anything? I mean, how does that, like, I don't even know how to word that now. People of color? <laughs> I think people are, are, are white. I hate to get into political correctness of names <laughs> and especially for so-called uh, black people in America that changes every 30 years anyway. But, uh, you know, because my, my parents' birth certificate does not say the same thing as my birth certificate. It does not say the same thing as my daughter's birth certificate. So you take that into consideration. But um, yeah, people of color is, is, is currently, you know, one, if, if you're going to uh, kind of peg people in a, and I don't, think we should be colorblind because I think that takes away from the differences that are that should be respected and the uh, cultural things that we all have that we bring to the table. At the same time, uh, th there has to be an acknowledgement and, and you know we can get into I guess maybe the philosophical and political separation but uh, people yeah. of color I think is, is is more appropriate at this point in time. That's good. And, and I like you made the difference between philosophical and political, because right now in America for census and for um, legal documentation, there is still that um, uh, terminology, I guess, is what we would say. So that's what you mean by political. Right. Um, but in society, there are other ways we could communicate about each other that might be less offensive. I believe so. Yes. Okay. I am like, I needed that nugget today, John Hughes. That's so good. That's so good. Um, okay. So, so any final thoughts? Like I, I know the city, um, of course, COVID, um, dampered a lot of, of initiatives that, uh, a lot of us were working on in terms of, of equity. Um, but I think also we've, we've learned how to use technology pretty well, but there is still that, you know, how do we connect in person and how do we continue to make impact despite a pandemic, right? Um, wh where's the city headed uh, with regard to efforts uh, on equity and inclusion? And how can anyone listening that's passionate and wants to lend their allyship or their, their own work to this? How, how might they do that? Well, I think using your voice uh, for the benefit of the entire community is paramount. A uh, new wave of leadership is really needed to support organizations like the NAACP and others that have signor, uh, historical significance within our community. And perhaps the birth of new organizations and movements are also needed. Uh, what does that look like? I mean, uh, I know that when we, look at the um, nonprofit realm in our city that there's a lot of people that are doing great things, but in some instances, they may be competing for similar dollars, for instance. But, you know, that's kind of uh, uh, the nature of, of service and, and, and work in the community. So ways to bring those together. I, I know that people are looking at that. How can we bring that together? How can maybe the city be the catalyst for uh, some greater collaboration, but it, just with, like with most things, the greatest impact occurs on the grassroots level. And so those organizations that do have uh, historical significance or the, 
the, the dawning of, of a new organization that might lead to additional social change um, and awareness. Um, people that are in positions to, to create that and support that should, should do so. And, and I'm speaking specifically to the, the quote unquote younger generation, uh, whatever that looks like, to, to see the relevance in those organizations and talk to people who are in those organizations to see what they're all about, to learn the history and, and, and uh, determine whether you think it's viable. I mean, a, a big piece of, of uh, organizations like the NAACP, I'll use that example, is sometimes young people just don't feel like they're relevant that everything or whatever they think the NAACP stood for, maybe that's already been reached. And maybe, maybe there's a, something else that's on the realm that we need to consider, or maybe we don't need to consider any of it. I just want to, I'm just a fan of having the conversation, whatever that is and whatever it's about. So um, two people can never agree when they're just arguing with themselves about things that they don't know. So if we have a difference of opinion or um, you know, uh, getting face to face or at least having a conversation is, is a great tool in understanding where people are coming from and, and broadening your base of, of education and knowledge and awareness. That's good. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't put a plug in for the boards and commissions in the city and ways you can engage. Um, what's that process look like? If someone is curious about how to how to get involved with the city, of course, there's Citizens Academy as a first step, right? Um, talk a little bit about Citizens Academy and boards and commissions and how somebody might get involved. So if you go to the city's website or if you Google boards and commissions of City of Lynchburg, it'll take you to a website. It has a whole list of the boards and commissions with a link to each. Um, the, the basic process is that you fill out an application. You tell which you are in, in uh, interested in and it goes to the clerk of city council and then uh, if there are vacancies then city council considers your application and they'll let you know that's the elevator speech on, on those uh, it's a great way to serve your community it's a great way to uh, learn some new things uh, and there's a myriad of them so take a look on the city's website and the other question you asked was um, about what, what was it again Academy. And I don't know right. That's the, that is the great, one of the greatest uh, tools in the history of <laughs> citizen engagement. Um, the responses that we get from individuals who have participated in, in uh, Citizens Academy are, are uh, just amazing. And I say that because, you know, I talked, uh, we try to take an opportunity to talk to each incoming group of uh, new city employees during orientation, just as, as, as you know, city managers and try to meet them uh, every other Wednesday or whenever they have uh, an orientation class. And it's always, you know, diverse in terms of the departments that they serve. But that's, in, in many cases, that could be the only time that you really have uh, an opportunity to see how diverse the the work that the city as an organization does. I mean, everything from trash to water to information technology to things that you know about with police and fire or, you know, uh, community development. And it's, it's just economic yeah. development, engagement. There, it's, a, it's a world within itself. Yeah. Um, and we're relatively small with 1200 employees, but we touch people in our locality and 
region every day. And Citizens Academy really gives people the opportunity to see that. Not only people who don't work for the city, but you know, you have people who are in Citizens Academy that work for the city. And they, they don't get an opportunity to see all that uh, regularly. And so it's, it's very eye-opening, very yeah. eye-opening. Uh, I think one thing we can try to do is have something that's like that, that may not be uh, governor's school, but could be a youth citizens academy. And uh, you know, I've mentioned that maybe once or twice. And that I think that was probably uh, it was definitely pre-COVID. So I think it needs to be revisited. But um, having, having uh, high school students, for instance, just come here and, and participate in the same way that mostly the adults do in Citizens Academy would, would I think provide a great base of knowledge for them to either uh, try to work with the city or at least if they go to another locality or just the knowledge is, is right. something that you can't take away. And, and right. I've never seen someone who participated in Citizens Academy say that it was a, an unworthwhile experience. Yeah. So if you're listening, um, my Leadership Lynchburg alumni, it's Think Leadership Lynchburg, but on the city level, you'll, you'll get a behind the scenes look at all things that make the city operate. And if you're not involved with Leadership Lynchburg, again, it's a behind the scenes look before you start complaining about something in the city, you need to know why decisions are made, how they're made, and the challenges that um, uh, running a local government um, um, all the challenges that come up. So Citizens Academy, look that up if you're interested. Um, John, any final thoughts before we close out today? Christine, I just appreciate the time to present, have this discussion, and uh, ho hopefully I'll be able to tune in to future broadcasts that you have. I, I think it's a wonderful tool, the, the podcast um, episode. So thank you for all that you do. And again, I just appreciate the chance to, to share with you on today. Well, we're, uh, you know, you're a busy man. I see you in passing at various, we sit on some community groups together, but it's good to actually get 30 minutes of undivided attention and to get to, to chat in person. And for those that are listening, um, we've got a great event upcoming to dovetail on Black History Month, and it is our 2022 Inclusion Summit. And John, you'll like the theme this year. It is more than a moment. And you talked about you know, we don't need a flash in the pan kind of whatever's the talk of the town right now. We need it to be more than a moment. And I'm so proud of the, the subcommittee that's working on the Inclusion Summit made of uh, diverse folks from all across the region that thought that's what the theme needs to be. It's more than a moment. And so if you're interested, we encourage you to go to lynchburgregion.org and look for under the events tab, the event will be 8.30 to, to 3 p.m. on March 24th. And if all goes well, we're going to be in person. We're going to be in person for the Inclusion Summit. And we're so excited. We've got some, some keynote speakers that are nationally recognized for equity efforts, some local um, leaders talking about real-world experiences. So um, if you have enjoyed this podcast series for Black History Month and you are passionate about inclusion work, register for our 2022 Inclusion Summit on March 24th. John, it's a pleasure. I'll see you around town. Definitely. Pleasure's been all mine, Christine. Thank you. Wish you a wonderful day. Everyone have a good day. Bye-bye.